Hello everyone, welcome to myself, Max McGillivray from Beanstalk. Mark, say hello to everyone. Amy, say hello to everyone. Hello everyone. Hello everyone. We're just going live with our Healthy and Sustainable uh, Food Group July uh, broadcast and it's uh, it's currently midday in the in the UK, and we've got a smattering of um, of weather everywhere. Where I am in Bury St Edmunds, we just had a um, a biblical uh, rainstorm, so I don't think our farmers are going to be uh, very very happy. Come on, Mark, we've got to do this because we're British. What's the weather like with you, please, Mark? Uh, it's a lovely sunny uh, morning, and I'm optimistic for the rest of July. Excellent, particularly with the holiday plans. So, uh, and whereabouts are you based, Mark? Uh, I'm based uh, in the Malvern Hills on the Herefordshire, oh. Worcestershire uh, borders. Beautiful. And and Amy, come on, show off as you were in the in the green room. What what lovely country are you in that we would all love to be in today? <laughs> I am currently in Athens in Greece, and uh, we've just finished a heat wave, uh, and now we're at 31 degrees Celsius. Wow. Okay. And and as you said in the, in, the, in the green room, it's a bit too hot to go out during the, the the heat of the midday sun, is it? For me, yeah. I'm doing the classic British style and complaining if it rains, complaining if it's too hot. Oh, bless. Excellent. So come on, let, let's get let's get on with this. So just for the for the people, especially on the podcast, we really want to set the scene because um, apart from yourselves, we've got two amazing experts in that we're really uh, looking forward to having a, a deep dive conversation with. But just to give a bit more of a background as to the healthy and sustainable uh, food group, three key industry professionals came together to create the group, uh, and they are Barbara Bray, MBE, Director of Alio Solutions. R. Mark, Mark Driscoll, Director of Tasting the Future, Jackie Green, Director of Ridas uh, Associates. And it's even better now because we've got Amy, Amy Colford, who's a very well-known public health nutritionist on board. And we, Beanstalk, are very proud to host a series of monthly or sometimes bi-monthly broadcasts for the the group. And what we wanted to do this month is uh, there's so much talk about um, agricultural waste. Um, the hierarchy of it, and also the circular economy. So we've mashed this all together to create this broadcast today titled The Hierarchy of Agricultural Waste in a Circular Economy. And joining us is going to be the amazing Jenny Costa, who's the founder and CEO of Rubies in the Rubble. And we've also got Martin Bauman, Senior Policy and Campaigns Manager for Feedback Global. But before we get going with that, Mark, what, what are you seeing? We are... Oh, hopefully coming out of the pandemic in the um, in the in the UK uh, perspective. Um, I, I didn't tell you in the green room, but we've just picked up that um, a soft fruit uh, producer in the UK is having to turn away from picking 400 tonnes of soft fruit because they can't get the labour on, on site. To, to me, it does feel like we, we've got to get through a number of speed bumps before things get, get better. What's your take on where we are at the moment, please, Mark? Yeah, it's been a really challenging um, environment, particularly for um, agricultural producers uh, in the fresh produce sector. Uh, And absolutely, there are signs that over the last 12 months, there has been more waste on farm, uh, either because um, that produce hasn't been able to get to market quickly enough, or uh, through a lack of labour in terms of harvesting um, that. And, you know, in the UK, uh, we produce around 4 million tonnes of, of, of waste, you wow. know, so it's 7% of all food harvested in the, U, in, in the UK. Um, and that has a significant, significant impact in terms of greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, and obviously, at the same time, some 8 million people, according to the Food Foundation, you know, are struggling to 
um, afford to, to, to eat. So that has significant consequences, not just in the UK, but globally. Globally, one third of all food produced is wasted. So globally, 900 million tonnes of, of, of food waste, either at production or uh, through to consumption. And, and, and guys, Amy, we've got this odd peculiarity. Three weeks ago, we went live with a broadcast with um, Tim O'Malley, who's um, CEO of Nationwide Produce, a £150 million turnover produce company, stating that they can't get wheels um, under the, the produce to get it um, to um, wholesale food service and, uh, and, and uh, supermarket. The, uh, the, the, the chat from the RHA was just uh, saying how bad the problem is that this, uh, we were, we're down 70,000 70, lorry drivers in the UK. And Amy, I don't know if you saw it in, in Greece and in, in the UK, the BBC was stating that Haribo's, the sweets, aren't being able to be delivered to, to store. And we've got produce being wasted and, and we're, we're talking about sweets not being delivered. Um, and the two, two weeks ago, one of the, I forgot the, the, uh, the, the lady, but there's a, uh, a lady, um, she was a, a Conservative MP, and when she failed to get in the last elections, um, she got uh, placed into the House of Lords. She was claiming that the food sector's crying wolf over the issues of, of labour and lack of lack of transportation. Amy, what do you think? It's, it would seem to be in a mad, mad, mad world at the moment, especially not helped by Brexit. Mm, I hadn't heard about that, actually, with the Haribo's in Greece. Uh, and as a public health nutritionist, I probably shouldn't be promoting that people eat more sweets. <laughs> uh, but I think, yeah, this can be an issue with many different types of foods. And I've certainly seen here with the hot weather, uh, we have a lot of local markets selling Greek produce. Um, and quite often you see that some of the produce is going bad, it's spoiling, and I guess that would be more of an issue on the farms and in transport as well um, at the moment. Yeah, there's, so, I, Mark, I'm interested to see what you think. It just feels like a perfect storm at the moment with the pandemic, with Brexit. You, you couldn't make up the, those, those, those connotations. Mark, are you, are you positive that there will be a solution, especially to the likes of agricultural waste as we, as we get through the, the pandemic and through the breakfast connotations? I'm always um, optimistic, Max. You know, I wouldn't be working in food sustainability <laughs> if, I, if I wasn't. Um, I think, you know, food waste is a real challenge. Um, you know, food waste is at the heart of the global sustainable development goals. There's a commitment in those sustainable development goals to half food waste uh, by 2030. Yeah. We have been making small but limited progress in, in, in the UK um, over the last few years, maybe the last 12 months, maybe a little bit of a uh, of, of a blip in that, but there is, um, you know, a long way still to go. I think government still has to step up to the plate uh, a little bit more, to excuse the pun, uh, to incentivize better behaviours uh, right across um, kind of gate to plate to reduce the amount of uh, waste created. There's a lot of innovation um, out there. We, we have some great networks. We have the Food Surplus Network, which helps small well businesses and farmers to address food waste. Um, innovation, Innovative Farmers is a great uh, network. It's an it's alliance of nonprofit um, linking farmers with uh, researchers to establish the kind of causes of food waste and loss um, on farms. So there is um, a lot of innovation. 
but and we need to push, you know, uh, the the interventions much more up the waste hierarchy. So, yeah. you know, we need to start with source reduction, stop food being generated, um, uh, uh, and then you know anything that is generated needs to be kind of put back into the to the food system, fed to animals. We can't, you know, put this to, 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 to landfill. We, we did an amazing broadcast about four or five months ago with South Africa, and we had a, um, a, a great lady who's uh, one of the main buyers for pick and pay in South Africa, and she used this very emotive phrase, which has actually been criticised in the UK because a politician um, uh, stole it, and her, her expression was, never waste a crisis. And although it might, might feel a bit doom, doom and gloom in certain aspects at, at the moment, that we're all going to learn from this, and there's going to be some fantastic le learnings from that. Um, um, Amy, Mark, on that, on that side, shall we learn from, from our experts that, that you've managed to, to, to garner in? So that base, basis, Jenny, Martin, can, can you join us? Because as, as uh, nice as it is hearing from Amy and Mark, we also want to hear from, from, your, from yourselves. So Martin, if, if it's okay, we'll, we'll do ladies, ladies first. Jenny, who are you? Tell us, tell the world who you are, please. Thank you. I am Jenny, the founder of Rubies in the Rubble. Um, I started Rubies in the Rubble in 2012 off the back of researching food waste. Food waste became a, a personal passion. I was brought up on a farm and um, always had food production close to my heart and then went off to the city, started working and at the age of about 25, um, started researching food waste and just realising I, I want to make a brand that raises awareness and starts talking about it. Fantastic. Thank you, Jenny. And we're going to come back to Jenny and do a bit more of a, a deep dive interview because she's got such a, an interesting and eclectic background, as is Martin. Martin, who are you, please? Hi, um, I'm Martin. So I work at a group called Feedback. Um, I, I've spent the best part of a decade campaigning on food waste in various wow. ways. Uh, feed, I worked for five years at the Gleaning Network where we took volunteers down to farms to harvest their surplus. Uh, sort of wonky fruit and vegetables, etc., and, and get those to charities. But I also work in sort of food waste campaigning and, and trying to hold supermarkets and governments to account for food waste, well try to get some regulation. Fantastic. Mark, Amy, well, well done. What, aren't, aren't they brilliant? Um, can everyone just turn off the videos apart from, from Jenny? And Jenny, let's, let's you and I have a catch up. And Jenny, if it's OK, I just want to paraphrase um, some of your, your background, especially for the people on, on the podcast, because we do find that people like yourselves are sometimes a little bit modest. And we want to really show off who you are, what your background is for, for a couple of specific um, reasons. So as you say, your founder, CEO of Ruby's and the, the Rubble, um, you graduated with an MA in mathematics and economics in 2008 before working in this city for two years. And you've always had your heart uh, for sustainability and good food and, and launched Rubies in the Rubble in 2011. And you're now into ketchup mayos with the aim of having an even bigger Im impact with more mainstream everyday products. We have a lot of graduates um, dialed in, into, into this journey. So I just want them to be aware of what you, you've achieved uh, you've been named as a female entrepreneur to watch 2018 uh, Global Shaper World Economic Forum, Everline Future Business Awards 2016, Real Business uh, Disruptors Foodstar 2015, Henri Master at the University, Open University of London 2015, Investec Food and Drink Award Entrepreneur 2014, uh, Mary Claire Woman, uh, Woman at the Top 2014, Good Housekeeping Food Here. Wow, Jenny, you could have gone in to do anything as as he as he sort of did when he went into the into the city, just just give us a bit more. What was the magic that created you to go down this route to do good when you could have actually gone off 
into another direct direction. You would have made a great solicitor. Why, why, why have you gone down this particular route? Why are you looking to make a difference? Tell us. You are very kind, Max. Um, I think people are best or always excel when they do something that they're passionate about. I think that you know everybody, whenever you've got a passion for something, you're gonna you're gonna go 110% on something. And I, I I'm so passionate around this need to value food again. We've got a planet that can feed its people, but yet we're we're not doing that. We're wasting a third of what we produce. Agriculture is the biggest, biggest single largest contributor that we as humans have. Um, on our planet and on global warming and we've got plans to double our food supply chain but yet we're wasting a third of it and it's wow. it, and yet so many people are going without and it's I, I feel like there's there needs to be awareness on this piece and there's got to be change that happens okay and what we've picked up over the last year be interested to hear your views we, we're seeing a, a lot more of the younger generation when they're making the the university or their apprenticeship choices they, they want to go down this this particular route because they actually want to make um, a change. They want to do good. Are you seeing that within your network as well? I think it's such an exciting time for businesses with purpose. It's I mean, every child that's born sort of from now on is it's is a that they, they have new aspirations for buying either buying into brands that do good and yep. do better we live in a capitalist society like businesses have to be responsible for making change around their community and uh, yeah I, I love seeing that that change in the interest in people of, of, of our economy should be helping its people and helping our, our planet as well working together and we've talked about it previously on on the healthy sustainable food uh, broadcast we're seeing the likes of uh, legal in general uh, one of the larger uh, pension investment companies in the, in the uk on a diversification diversification piece that they've actually told the major uh, 100 top companies that they invest in that if those companies don't have a diversified board by the end of 2022 they withdraw funding and so we're seeing that societal change happening at a, at a senior level. Are there other aspects to, that you think could be done such as that to encourage not only um, uh, the, the younger generation coming through, but, but those um, in, of, of middle age or, or slightly older to now make fundamental choices to, to actually change their buying habits for, for, for the good? What would your recommendation be on that front, please? I think there's so many businesses that um, especially has a business case to it. I mean, Unilever, for example, they, they're changing huge, um, or, or sustainability is becoming the heart of everything that they do because they see the long-term benefit. And there is a change to sustainability to just businesses that do good. Jenny, can I just stop you there? Because I don't know if it's if it's you or or me, but we seem to have a, a little bit break of the um of, of the internet. So Jenny, if you just um stay there. Martin, can you pop in, please? I love it when when this happens and BT uh, so 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 Martin, let's test test you. How's your how's your internet? I think we've lost Jenny in Scotland. Oh, Fingers crossed. I'm happy to tag tag in, tag team in and out. Um um yeah. Is that can you hear me okay? Yeah, Martin, you're you're, you're fantastic. Yeah, no, we, we, um, Jenny's just frozen in, in Scotland for, for a little bit. So, uh, Martin, we're, we're gonna we're gonna get deputised. Um, yourself, are you seeing the same same thing, Martin? That the younger generation is looking to get more more involved and do more good. Are you seeing that? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've been engaging young people through our gleaning network and getting people out into the fields and sort of trying to help build opportunities to get involved in the in the food sector, um, which is super important. So what we've seen is that when people come out into the far, onto the farm and see that just whole fields of food that we're going to be ploughed back in, the yeah. kind of gut feeling uh, that they get is is just so visceral and that makes people feel both more connected with their food system through getting stuck in and, and you know, wading through through the mud to harvest some cabbages, but also, you know, one hungry for systemic change to stop that food waste happening in the first place. Yeah, but and hence this example I gave earlier that we just literally picked up this morning that there's a major soft fruit grower in the UK that's that's having to let 400 tonnes of soft fruit rot because they, they don't have the labour to to pick it. So that, and that's scandalous. In fact, I don't know. I don't understand why that's not getting picked up by the mainstream media. But but Martin, let, let's just do a, a deep dive with yourself, especially for those people on the um, on, on the podcast. So you're senior policy and campaigns manager for Feedback Global, and you've uh, worked in policy and campaigns for a variety of feedback projects focus on food waste, meat, anaerobic digestion, and sustainable animal feed. You were previously Feedback's peak idea policy officer and stakeholder coordinator from 2018 to 19, and the coordinator for Feedback's Gleaning Network, as he just mentioned, between 2011 and 2017. And in 2016, he gave a TEDx talk on gleaning. Everyone, if you haven't seen it, you've got to see it. It is fantastic. And we'll, we'll link um, that, that back on the, uh, on, the, on, the, uh, on the post so you can see. You've also worked for This Is Rubbish on the EU Food Waste Campaign and previously worked on the Stop the Rock Campaign. You've also founded a chapter of Food Not Bombs in Southeast, uh, Southeast London. Martin, a very similar question to, to the one that I, I asked Jenny. Did you not ever want to become a solicitor? <laughs> um, no, it's the short answer. I, I guess I, I had a bit of a weird way into this. Um, so I actually were working at a bookshop and ironically found a copy of um, Tristram Stewart's iconic book about food waste, uh, founder of Feedback, in fact, um, ironically about to be thrown away. Uh, it was in the damaged well, stock section of the bookshop. So I was working there at the time and they gave the damaged stock to us for free. So I just read that and and was stunned by, similarly to Jenny, the, the injustice of having all of this food going to waste, uh, all the resources that go into that, all the emissions, but also the huge number of hungry people. So I just yeah. wanted to do something about it. It seemed a super important issue. And, and, just, and just talk to us about Feedback Global. How is it constructed? How many in the team? What's, what's your reach? Tell us all about it, please. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so we've been going for about a decade. We actually... Um, so as I say, we were founded by Tristan Stewart and we we um, started off doing Feeding the 5,000 events where we'd feed 5,000 people in Trafalgar Square using uh, food that was uh, wasted to get food waste on the agenda. Um, but since then, we've gone on to do all sorts of stuff. So, so like the Gleaning Network, where we're taking all these volunteers out to farms to harvest their leftovers. The Pig Idea campaign you mentioned, uh, we're campaigning to uh, reform the law to enable more types of food waste to be fed to, to animals like pigs and chickens once it's been safely treated. Yeah. Um, okay. And so uh, we we worked on a variety of EU-funded research on that, and there are now pilot studies uh, happening in the Netherlands to, to figure out how to do that safely. Um, and currently, uh, we're working on food waste regulation. Um, so we're trying to uh, make sure there's a consultation coming up 
um, to make sure that um, farm food waste is measured. Uh, uh, perhaps we can come on to this in a bit, but there is no data to speak of globally on how much food is wasted on farms. And we think that's a scandal and we need to rectify that apart from anything else to help farmers who are currently suffering in silence with this problem. Yeah, but and you, and you talked earlier about the the the, the lights of the the, the, the wonky veg uh, with our background within fresh produce we're, we're aware of so much product that gets wasted because it is not straight or is slightly the the, the wrong color um when it it was well, just I, I, again it's um it's scandalous and 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 martin are you also work, working up the the food supply chain because there's a statistic that we always roll out that one point uh, one 1.2 million bananas are thrown away in the UK um, every day. So there's a lot of waste that happens um, in in the home. Um, are you um, looking to assist on that uh, that aspect as well? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so what we usually highlight is is what we have um, is a slight problem at the moment where food that's in businesses gets talked about as food loss, and it, this makes it sound as if it's lost down the back of the sofa or something. It sounds unintentional, whereas we talk about food waste that's wasted by consumers as if it's an individual personality failing. So what we try to say is actually when you stand back and look at the system is often there are power relations at play and everyone is structured to a large degree by supermarkets. So we see on farms that often they're at the mercy of supermarket policy, yeah. order cancellations, these these wonky veg rejections, but also on the flip side of that and um, consumers there's a big opportunity. Consum you know, consumers act within an environment that's significantly shaped by supermarkets. So yeah. measures like changing best before dates, making yeah. sure there's well, a variety well. of portion sizes sold, all of these changes in retailer policy could help on both sides. Well, and, and everyone is looking to assist, aren't they? You look at the Veg Power campaign, which is underway at the moment, and that's gained four million pounds worth of uh, free TV advertising and a number of celebrities just to try and educate kids as to um, what, why it's so great to eat veg. Six out of 10 kids don't know where, where veg uh, comes from. But it does feel, Martin, that the um, that, that the zeitgeist moment, zeitgeist moment is, is with us now, that we can keep having people like, like yourself and these other other groups and these other campaigns all collaborating, um, singing, shouting, being noisy with it with a single voice, it can make a difference. Do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I'm hopeful. So it feels like there's a real sea change at the moment. As I say, we've got this opportunity. The government are talking about beginning to measure food waste. Now, as I say, not a single country in the world currently has data on how much food is wasted on farms. Wow. And that means farmers are suffering in silence with all these problems that we talked about bearing the costs and risk of huge amounts of waste. So what we want to happen is for everyone to come together and beginning to see this like NGOs, food enterprises, the public all coming together. We want to know how much food is wasted so we can start to tackle this problem together. And I'm really hopeful that that can start happening. Yeah. And, and Martin, before we get um, Jenny, Jenny back in, because I've I've sent her 50p for, for the meter. So so hopefully her Internet will start up again. Um, what, 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 how can we help? How can the likes of Amy, Mark and, and our collective uh, network help you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, in the immediate term, what we're trying to do is build support for mandatory food waste reporting, which would basically mean that uh, businesses over a certain size have to start measuring and publicly reporting on their food waste. And we want to see this happen in the farming sector. We think that would be a great idea because it would help farmers uh, see how much food they're wasting, but also build the case for changing retailer policy so they can get more of their food to market. So Fantastic. what we'd love to do is, is we'd love to hear from people 
who'd like to uh, come together and back our calls for that mandatory food waste reporting so that we can take that case to the government and make sure that uh, food waste on farms is measured. Excellent. I, I'm sure Amy and Mark will be okay with this. We might steal you for another broadcast series that we run with a, with a very big group called British Growers, and they represent 28 different industry groups of uh, fruit and vegetable production in the, in the UK, and, and they're, they're desperately keen to find ways to promote uh, their, their produce and also to, to, to minimise waste. So, so Martin, we'll, we'll have a conversation about that another time. Martin, stay there. Well, we're just going to see if Jenny's put the 50p in the metre. Jenny, are you going to come, come back in? Oh, here she comes. This is exciting. Back from sunny Scotland. She's back in. Woo! Sorry, Sorry, classic Scott sort of attitude. No, do do, do not worry. We we are we are um, totally used to it. But um, before we went into uh, going to our Q and A, uh, Jenny, I just wanted to I wanted you to show off about your business, Martin. Do you want to just turn off your video now that we have got Jenny back in and you've been our fantastic uh, football substitute for the Waterbury Expression, Jenny? Just tell us about rubies and, and the and the rubble. Um, how can we purchase from you? Uh, where are you getting your raw ingredients? What's the plans for the for the future? Tell us all about your business, please. Awesome. Um, well, as Martin was sort of talking about with the waste on the farm, we work direct with farmers that have surplus, um, often wrong shape, size, colour, but it can just be um, that they don't have a, the long enough shelf life to, to go on a supermarket shelf sitting in somebody else's cupboard. So we, um, yeah, we work direct with the farmers and we'll take surplus by the pallet. Um, hopefully I saw, saw myself freezing again, but hopefully I'm still here. No, you're fine. Um, and we turn it into uh, the beauty of a condiment, I suppose, is it's the natural way of preserving something. So we will turn it into a chutney, a relish, ketchup, and we also have a mayonnaise range. Um, excellent. And it's these broadcast series that we've been doing, we've met so many women who've been able to be so um, innovative with this uh, with this food waste um, area. We've met a, a lovely lady from Kenya called Alice who has created a business that's making um, avocado oil out of waste avocados. So when you're harvesting avocados, there's a rough percentage of five to 10% uh, that can't be uh, uh, processed, can't be sent to the UK and Europe because they're, they're not, they, they're, they're fine, but cosmetically they, they might be a bit blemished or um, a bit ugly. So they're, they're not coming over. And they, they would just been going into, going into landfill and she created a, a business around um, creating avocado oil from that product and she now employs 150 people and the bulk of them are women and uh, they're very uh, they're, they're in a position now where they've um, managed to make those uh, th those workers financially secure um, and she's desperately trying to find um, more more um, market avenues in the in the in the UK so coming coming back back to yourself it's it's interesting how you have created uh, this success where 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 is your if it's take it to us where is your business now and where are you looking to take it in the future please great uh, so pre-covid um 80 of our business was focused on restaurants and pub chains we sell our ketchup um actually as a closed loop um solution so we sell it in bulk to a restaurant really? and they refill bottles on the table uh, and then since COVID, we've launched in Morrison's, in Waitrose, wow. uh, Cardo. But it's interesting, I think you saying or touching on that point of finding solutions to why things are wasted. And often with the food, with food supply chain, it's just thinking differently. It's manufacturers are often creating a waste or there's waste in within the supply chain. Yeah. And yet it's got perfect value. And it's just sort of then getting creative and thinking about solutions or how we can utilize that to make sure that it keeps in the food supply chain. 
Well, well Doug, there's a much expression that so much profitability, profitability is held up within the supply chain. Um, and some of that will be, well, a significant amount of that's potentially waste. So if you can uh, look to, to repurpose that waste, because it's not waste. And I, and I love that model that you've managed to, here comes that word, pivot, uh, that you've managed to go get into the into the retail space. So presumably you're very excited about the future, that if you can hold on to that, that retail space, as well as going back into food services, that rapidly picks up. You're, you're going to have a, um, a, a double whammy, are you not? Yeah, it feels like a very exciting time for the brand, um, especially our ketchup and our mayonnaise are really growing. We're getting them into lots of different places um, and are raising awareness. The, the more we sell, the bigger impact we have, the more farmers we can work with. Um, it does feel a, an extremely exciting time. Fantastic, Jenny. Before we bring everyone back in, how can myself, Amy, Mark and our collective networks, how can we help you? How can we help uh, Rubies in the Rubble? Uh, well, I, I suppose one obvious thing is look out for us, find us on the shelf, share us with friends. Um, another thing, though, I mean, one thing that I'm very passionate about is changing consumers' points of view and 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 thoughts around food waste because I think we we often really do focus on on a lot of the businesses within that, but we need to as well prevent food waste in our own homes and that attitude change of yeah. how we see food and valuing food. And it's often as well, you know, hearing the story of the avocado stones it's seeing food in a different way rather than it being a waste of one part of some, somebody's business, but thinking like there's value to that. It's amazing produce. Let's make sure that we, we, we never let it go to waste. So do you, do you envisage in the future, larger food businesses will have this sort of ecosystem around them that all products that go in, um, that they process and they then sell out great, but anything that was, was deemed as waste, there will be a collective of rubies in the rubble all plugged in into that ecosystem taking that uh, excess product out and repurposing it is, is that I'm, I'm sort of slightly leading the witness uh, but is, is that is, would that be your vision vision would that be your dream yeah i i, I think i think that's the need it's needed i mean it, unless, if we are going to tackle food waste we need to be thinking holistically and differently about how where food is wasted and what we can do with it because sometimes it's it's wasted in the wrong place at the wrong time food's perishable we need to we need to value it at that stage and make make something from that well done can everyone come come back in please um and mark question to to you do you think that's um mark do you think that's realistic what jenny and i are proposing to have larger food companies to be able to have that ecosystem um hanging off them that's um all excess produce i'm desperately trying to avoid this word this word waste all excess um uh, produce is repurposed do you think that's actually practical mark um uh, yes i do uh, if the incentives are put in place uh, i think the right incentives have got to be put in place um, to support businesses to do that. But in a way, you know, the, again, the first step has to be to stop that in the first place. And if waste is inevitable, then this concept of uh, valorization, so adding value to the waste that's produced and using those valuable nutrients to feed people has got to be the kind of key, uh, key priority here, in my view. Amy, what do you think, please? I think it's amazing what Jenny and Martin are both doing. Um, and I think I used to work as a regulator for the food industry, for the Environment Agency. Um, and that was mainly focusing on food factories and this mandatory reporting of all kinds of waste is necessary for bigger businesses that have environmental permits. But that's 
not the case for smaller farms. And I can see where it could be a little bit more difficult for farmers to do that kind of thing because it takes resources, it needs skill. So I think if we're going to implement this, we need to make sure that um, the farmers have the support that they need because it's really important that we get this information. Um, and also I think finding a way to connect entrepreneurs like Jenny with farmers and companies yeah. that have excess waste streams, surplus yeah. food. Um, I think that's really important as well because uh, sometimes it's just that companies or farmers don't know what their options are when it comes to reusing the food yeah. and it's in their interest financially and ethically to do it, but they might just not know how. So some kind of platform to be able to connect people with ideas to the industry, I think would be a really good thing to do. What was it, Amy? Um, two weeks ago, there was a UK event called Groundswell um, aimed at regenerative agriculture. And the, the more and more farmers I, I am meeting of a younger generation and a, and a mature generation know that they that the, the most valuable resource that we've got in some respects is soil, and, we, and by crikey, we've got to look at look after it because if we don't look after it, we won't be able to grow um, to grow food. So there's definitely that momentum with, within the farming community to to go down this regenerative agriculture. Money, everyone. There's a there's a let's just talk about the elephant in the room that a number of these growers are, are getting ridiculously small margins uh, from from the retailers there's been no decent food inflation for for years the retailers tend to use fresh produce uh, fresh food as a as a lost leader to get people in to buy that and then to go further in the store to to buy the branded products or the 12 pound bottle bottle of wine that's not helping the, the the growers. The growers are of a view that the retailers need to pay them more margin, but the retailers are frightened of breaking cover and increasing the the, the cost of the of the produce um, because they think that's going to scare off the, the the shoppers. And also, there's an argument there as to whether they'd actually give any compensation back back to the growers. How do we get around this one that the growers need more money to to do, to go down the exercise of regenerative agriculture and looking at um, at food waste? Go, go on, Jenny. I know it's a, it's a horny one, but what do you think? Oh, it's, it's a very difficult one. I mean, in an ideal time, sometimes when you look at the food system, the fact that we've got supermarkets and we've become so far removed from our food supply and we've scaled it to such a huge degree that only the big farmers survive is sometimes when you think, you, you, when you look at the problem as a whole, we could, if you were buying locally and going back to your farmers markets and things, which is, is a real idealistic point of view, but th th that's one sort of um, angle to it. And the other angle, I sort of think there is a challenge with, that we are wasting a lot in our own homes and that food is not valued very much. And actually, if you put the true value of food up, then would people value what they've got, yeah. you know, see meat as a, something that they have once or twice and get back into tin cans, eat fresh fruit as a treat as well. But, uh, you know, really sort of, um, is is food really priced at the right value? Yeah, well, well said, Martin, come on. Well, what's your answer to, to this one? Growers want more money. Retailers don't want to give them more money. Uh, the consumer doesn't want to pay more money. What, what's the answer? It's a it's a really important point, actually. I think that often gets overlooked that the root, one of the root problems of food waste on farms is that, um, Farmers often are operating on such slim margins that we've encountered farmers who are often, when the price dips too low, particularly when there's a glut, um, will have to just plough their food back in because they literally yeah. will lose money harvesting it. So you're, you're exactly right that one of the main ways that we can reduce food waste on farms is we need to boost the proportion, the value of, the proportion of the value of the food that's getting to the farmer 
And I think there we need to see a combination of things like like uh, Jenny talked about sort of a really encouraging thing with COVID is being seen and more direct farmer to consumer box schemes. I think that's fantastic. But within the main food system, we need to see um, the remit of the Grossu's Code Adjudicator extended to protect uh, suppliers from unfair training practices. Uh, and we need to see, um, you know, things like more cooperatives to, to give smaller farmers more um, bargaining power with retailers yeah. within the main food system as well. Yeah, Martin, well said. And this has been going on. But for years, I remember in the uh, late 90s, I was renting a house down in Chichester when, when I started my career. Farmer behind had 25 acres of celery. The market went against him and he had to let it rot. Unfortunately, I was right on the back of that field. I can't eat celery now because I just remember that uh, that 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 lingering um, smell. Um, I'm sure he won't mind. There's a contact of ours called um, uh, Andrew Johnson, who's uh, um, uh, uh, previously was a, was a big uh, in, indoor salad grower. And he was amazed. So he, he knows the whole intricacies of dealing with he was amazed when he did a tour around Texas a couple of years ago um, as to how well the growers protect their margins. And, and they just have a, an expression out there, Texas tough. Um, if the, if the uh, retailer isn't going to buy it, they're not going to sell it. Um, and here in the UK, there's always been this, this race to the bottom on, on pricing. And you get this ludicrous situation of similar produce companies um, undercutting each other just to get volume, just to get volume in because they've got the big overheads, but they're, they're working on sub 2%, sub 1% margins. So it sounds like there's, there needs to be a whole uh, re rethinking in the UK because the likes of, um, of America has, has uh, re restructured themselves. Um, Amy, am, am I just being, being naive or do, or do you think we can see some change on, on that side? Is, is money going to, if more money comes through the, the, the food system, is that going to help? To, to nullify food waste, do you think, Amy? Um, well, I think the price is going up is probably inevitable. We can either do it proactively and enable farmers to uh, adopt new practices and, and things like that, or we can wait until there becomes an ecological crisis and food demand uh, is higher and we can't meet it and the food prices go up anyway. And I think it's better if we take the more proactive approach and invest in a more sustainable food system now, rather than yeah. wait until the crisis point. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, Amy, well said. Mark, thoughts? So I don't think money is the only solution. I, I think food waste is a symptom in a way of a kind of broken food system. And like a any kind of solution there's no I don't think there's ever any silver bullet with with the issue of food waste and there's a variety of pull and push mechanisms that are required I think Jenny's point earlier around valuing food is really really important and I think I've mentioned this in previous um, broadcasts that you know, increasingly urbanized societies now globally 50% of us live within towns or cities We've become, we've become quite disconnected from the growing, yeah. cooking, preparation of food. Food needs to be bedded into our educational system from you know, uh, preschool, from nursery through to primary, teaching kids how to cook, prepare school uh, yeah. food, grow food, um, and because that shapes our own values and therefore ultimately our buying behaviours. If we don't really appreciate the value of food, the effort that's gone into food, the impacts of food from an early stage, then we're not going to be prepared to, to pay the true cost uh, for, for healthy foods all the way through to 
you know, in a way, it's a kind of symptom of a, what I would call a very productivist food system. In a way, subsidies and um, kind of economic incentives reward food waste. We have to level yeah. that kind of playing field, support more shorter um, value chains, you know, connect yeah. consumer more directly with producer. There've been signs of that through COVID, you know, the localization agenda is really, really important yeah. all the way through, I think, to, you know, there's some really challenging issues around power and dynamics uh, and that champagne hourglass where retailers, you know, do control and have significant power. So that relationship between growers and, um, uh, and retailers is important, as Martin yeah. has said, through the Groceries Code Adjudicator, et cetera, et cetera. I'm, I'm well done. I'm, I'm Martin, just to, thank you for mentioning the Groceries Code Adjudicator. We run a, another broadcast with women in food and farming, and that's, um, uh, uh, I was going to say honoured, um, hosted by Christine Taken, CBE, who was the previous uh, Groceries Code Adjudicator. And when we did, we were live with them on um, earlier this week. And I asked her at the, the intro, what's your view of Morrison's? And so for, if people aren't aware of Darlene in the UK, uh, Morrison's is our, oh, help me, Mark, our third, fourth largest um, uh, retailer. And currently the, there's a bidding frenzy for them to be to be bought out. And uh, Christine had dealt um, heavily with it, with Morrison's as her and uh, her role as grocery code adjudicator. And her view was that um, she's very worried because of this bidding war, um, and it's potentially going to go over 10 billion sterling for, for it to be bought. What's going to happen? These American investors are then just going to strip the thing out. Um, and so there is a speculation, not by her, but by other people that we're talking to, that Morrison's won't exist in four or five years time because um, it will have just been asset stripped. What's going to happen in the, in the short term if there's little old us saying, uh, can our growers, can our farmers have a little bit more money? Um, and the American investors um, out of Wall Street with the pinstripe suits and the and the Maybach uh, cars that who are just looking at um, dollar signs, they're, they're not going to capitulate. And it just feels, I don't know, it just feels like we've got good and bad. We've got these investors that just want to, uh, am I going to say, well, just, just rate these businesses of uh, anything that they can get. Well, there's people like yourselves who are looking to do good within 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 the food system. Jenny, help me. What, what's the solution? How, how can we create create this good energy to create create good and stop this these, uh, these these bad investors doing bad things? It's a yeah very hard one to challenge, and there's this part of me that it's got to be more noise and more voice coming yeah. from the consumer as well of the demand of what people are expecting and what they're looking for and. There, there is a lot of power in the way that we consume. And I, I think this next generation, I get very excited about the shift of sort of using your money as almost a vote for the future that you want to live yes. in. And you've got to buy into the things that you believe in. And that the, supporting businesses that are doing good is a sign of what you want, yeah. uh, you know, you want to be to the, the life that you want to be living. And I think, I think the more consumers can live out what their values um, and, and bridge that gap yeah. between the sort of their, their desired values and actually what they what they do in practice the more we can make change and, and we can see the change that we, we want to do yeah master do you think we can do good do you think we can conquer evil yeah absolutely i think we can i i think um one thing we need to do is um fundamentally we need to address the power that supermarkets have in the supply chain i mean the the things you're talking about all come back to this issue. One of the things that we tried to do recently to try and tackle this problem is we um, 
collaborated with the Lords of Caithness to table an amendment to the Environment Bill, um, basically calling on the, the government to introduce an extended producer responsibility uh, for food waste for supermarkets. And this would basically charge them um, uh, a levy based on the amount of food waste in in UK supply chains. And then that money would be dead. dead that would give supermarkets an internalised incentive to reduce food waste in their suppliers. And I think we need to see things like this. You know, there's examples like whole crop purchasing where supermarkets take on the costs and risks of food waste rather than leaving that all to the producer. Um, So I think we need to see um, institutionally through regulation, the cost and risks of that farmers are currently taking on internalized within supermarkets as otherwise it won't become their problem and they'll carry on sort of offloading risks onto their suppliers. Martin, what well, well said, and I've just uh, one of my contacts has just WhatsApp me to totally agree with you, but saying, isn't there a problem, Martin, that uh, po- politicians, politics is so slow. Look how long it took for the for the sugar tax to, to, to come in. How can we speed up politicians? Well, I think, well, yeah, sure. Well, one of the ways we're trying to do that is raise lots of pressure from the industry, you know, saying we want this. You know, one of the concerns that um, I'm sure um, politicians will have about this is do the industry want this? If we can build enough of a voice from growers themselves saying we want to measure the food waste that's on our farms and then change policy, then we create the noise to create that change. So we'd love people to join us in that. Amy, Amy, what do you think to, to, to that? Looking to encourage growers to not not try to overcomplicate it, but to have a scheme where they can waste the waste where they where they can gauge the, their own waste and that can be fed up the system. Amy, do you think that's a good solution? Yeah, I mean, I think we always say knowledge is power. And I think it was a few months ago that we had um Caroline from the Carbon Trust on, and she was talking about how having the primary data is the most important thing when it comes to uh, developing solutions. So I think, yeah, having that data, knowing what types of food and quantities are being wasted and where, yeah. then you can really start to dig into why and find out the solution. So, yeah, I think it's a great thing if farmers are supporting it as well. Uh, yeah, we should go for it. Amy, well done. Mark, have we not seen this before? Are, are we just reinventing the the, the, the wheel or, or, or potentially could it work this time? I think it can work and I would absolutely agree. We've got to measure, you know, what matters uh, and we've got to start with um, uh, measurements and, and the whole waste agenda fits in with the whole agenda of moving towards more healthy and nutritious foods. You know, we've we've under invested in UK horticulture for years and years. We want to produce more fresh produce in the UK, uh, and government again has a responsibility to do that to encourage a greater proportion of uh, fresh produce as part of our diets um, and UK is well placed to do that. At the moment, there's no incentive for growers uh, uh, to do that. So much more support needs to needs yeah. to occur. And where I get frustrated, we, we have the likes of our UK Prime Minister who, who, who got COVID and, and survived, who when he came out said, we're a nation of fatties. I am going to personally make sure that we, we become a, a fit nation. So we're not a burden on the NHS, but then we've got the likes of the free trade selling that bloody rubbish at 
what, what was that? Two two pound. I haven't drunk it. I just two two pound fifty. And the margin that they're making, and the avatar, and then we got our growers who are growing, growing. Let's be emotional about it. Growing sunshine, growing fantastic um, fresh produce that that does good for for us and our, our kids. And uh, they're, they're not making. We got we got some brassica growers who potentially are going to pull away from growing this summer uh, because they can't get enough labour. They can't get enough, enough lorries. And and we got this this muck sponsoring yeah. sportsmen for million, million again I'm, I'm probably being a bit over emotional about it we need more it feels like we need more jennies and more martins to to create that that societal change to get consumers more aware and to support the the, the growers mark help me with this one yeah no I, I absolutely agree and i'm just noticing your question that's just come up on chat actually we, yep. we do have part two of the national food strategy which is due yes. i believe to be announced next next week yeah. so um it will be really interesting to see the kind of recommendations that are coming out of the national food strategy we know there's going to be more emphasis fingers crossed on healthy sustainable diets yep hopefully waste and tackling waste will be a big part of uh, of that national food strategy too yeah, well, well done. Um, I completely forgot. I I had some leaks um, from from it this morning. I, I won't quote them back because we don't know where they, there's, they're, whether they're genuine or not. Mark, can you just highlight what what that uh, the national food strategy is for for those that are are not aware, or those that are overseas that might might like to have an understanding, please. So this is being uh, Henry Dimbleby is uh, is one of the kind of directors of Defra. He's been tasked couple of years ago now with uh, producing a national food strategy it's gone through quite an extensive consultative uh, process um, so you know it's had lots of engagement really really positive participatory process in, in gathering the evidence we had a national uh, food strategy part one that was published towards the end of, of, of last year uh, dealing with kind of food poverty it hit the kind of news headlines in terms of free school meals and the links with Marcus Rashford. Yeah. Uh, part two it, it, it is the most significant part because it's it, it's really dealing and linking kind of the production and consumption uh, uh, agendas and, and government have to respond uh, to that through a white paper within uh, six months. I think there's a nervousness that government could just ignore it, but I think the civil society behind and pushing for that, let's see what the recommendations come out next week question mark yeah because it could actually be very exciting mark couldn't it especially i think so it's needed we really need yeah. an integrated approach across government uh, departments and, and and food is at the heart of many of those social sustainability health yeah. challenges we confront as a nation and we need to to draw those links in between nutrition health and sustainability i'm more optimistic this time than i have been over the past 10 Very years, um, we'll see what government, you know, that's a big question mark. Will government ignore it or really do something slightly different this time and, with it? And, and what's very interesting, Mark, is the six months, six months for a white paper to go through our, our governmental system in the, in the UK is very unusual. Normally it's 12 months, 18 months, two years. So it would look like there's, a, there's an indication there from government to all, already act on what uh, Mr. Dimbleby is gonna, gonna come, come through. So, so perhaps our conversation for the last 50 minutes is, is going to further accelerate um, that ho hopefully if Mr. Dibbleby's uh, uh, watching. Um, everyone, I always feel that people listening or, or watching these, they need to come away with, with three, four, five things that they've really picked up 
So I'm just going to challenge all of you. What are the what are the three or four things that you would love to see in, in the respects of the, this subject of agricultural waste? Um, how how we can minimise it? How we can create a change? For, for, for the future, how it can be beneficial, not just for the UK, but for perhaps other countries to, to learn from us. How can we create this change? What, what are the three or four things that you, that you would love to see if you had the proverbial ma magic wand? And Jenny, you know I'm going to pick on you first. So what, what do you think? Uh, great. Well, my, my, I mean, it's clear. My big thing that I'm so passionate about is just re getting this value for food back to the consumer. Like people are really valuing food. And I think, Max, when you talk about the monster drink compared to an apple or what, why aren't people valuing this fresh produce? I think a lot of it is the educational point of view as well. I mean, you get a flyer through the door for a Domino's pizza. Uh, it's 20 pounds. You think it's a great deal. Uh, an organic chicken is 20 pounds and people think it's incredibly expensive. Uh, and that, that sort of shift in somebody's mindset needs to change of this value of food. Food is natural, it comes from the ground. And so that my educational point would be, be key. And then the other side is that it's, it's really trying to get people to actually buy wonky fruit and veg that comes straight out of the ground in all shapes and sizes. A manufacturer, can't, it can't go through a machine to be processed into, into a meal. So in your homes, like take the time to, to process something that is a strange shape or color and, and push those strange shapes into the into the retail chain as a normal thing. Get the, the big and bulbous ones that can go through a manufacturing site uh, for the manufacturers. Jenny, well done. Um, I, I, I can never get my head around uh, the, the con consumer aspect that people, especially men, are very happy to drive around in 60, 70, 80, thousand pounds, uh, BMWs, Mercedes, other brands are available. It's all on tick. They all do the same thing. They all go from A, a to B. You can, can't, you, you can only do 70 miles an hour on a, on a motorway in the, in the UK. Why not have a, have a cheaper car? Food, um, what, why are you buying expensive food when, when the, the, the likes of fresh produce can do you so much good and it's actually cheaper? I'll, I'll try not to pull, pull that thread because I'll be here for, for, for hours. Ma Martin, if, if we could give you the proverbial magic wand as, as Jenny so eloquently just passed it over to you, what, what are the three, four changes that you would love to see? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I, th I mean, first, as I say, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but I, go, I, go. We, need, we need to see the, the global black hole of data on food waste on farms filled. Like it's not in the food loss index that the, the FAO measure internationally. It, why? Unharvested food needs to be in there because the indications are, we don't know how much food is wasted on UK farms, but the indications are that more food is wasted there than in catering, retail and manufacturing put together. And actually, there's a question in the chat about isn't household waste more important in the UK? Well, actually, the, there's a stat that's often reeled out that 70% of the UK's food waste happens in the home. But actually, if you read the small print, that's post farm gate food waste. Yeah, so once yeah. you factor in farms, it's about a 50-50 split. So they're equally important. So. I'd love to see a way that farm, large farms will have to measure their food waste, but we create that in collaboration with the government. So the government provides support and uh, to help farmers do that. Um, yeah. So it doesn't become an admin burden. Secondly, I think we need to see supermarkets uh, regulated to be given extended producer responsibility so that they uh, take um, responsibility for their suppliers and we need to see um 
so we need to see uh basically we have a position where a lot of uh producers are overproducing by say 10 20 percent at the moment so that they can always meet supermarket orders we need to see things like whole crop purchasing come in so that supermarkets take responsibility for that and finally i'd like to see uh things like uh best before dates uh changed i'd like to see a real shift from supermarkets educating consumers and blaming them and asking consumers what they need from retailers to help wow. them waste less so you know be that selling smaller produce sizes be that rather than you having to buy a bag of six apples you can have them sold loose so you can just buy what Excellent. you need that sort of stuff yeah uh, martin jenny what what a what a master class we're, we're receiving here I, I could see mark is scribbling this uh, this all down for his own personal agenda rightly so amy come on martin's now passed over the proverbial magic wand to to your good self what changes would you like to see please I think uh, Jenny and Martin have said quite a bit about the industrial side and the agricultural side, but from a uh, public health nutritionist, someone who works with consumers and individuals and families, I guess uh, this idea of being able to wipe the slate clean, get rid of all the brainwashing that people have had when it comes to food and the meaning of food and different brands and having a download somehow of this connection to the environment and understanding where food comes from and what it does for us really exactly what Jenny said, that increasing the value of food and what nature provides. Yeah. Amy, thank you. Mark, we've learned so much in this last uh, 50, 55 minutes. Go on, you, you, um, conclude for us with, with those learnings that we've learned from Jenny, from Amy and Martin. What, what are your thoughts, uh, Mark? What would you like to see? Can you encapsulate everything for us, please? I don't know if I can encapsulate everything, but, but obviously what I've heard is, uh, I think, valuing food and uh, and um, you know for me it's about it is about reconnecting people with food um, which will hopefully generate a culture of value and appreciation of food and therefore will through consumer behavior change reduce food loss so that's you know come out quite clearly I think um, measuring what matters Martin is you know absolutely right you know you know, with 2021, 2022, and we still don't know how much food is wasted yeah, um, on farm. Why is that? Um, much more focus has got to go uh, into that. And perhaps the third and final one for me is, is I think we, we need to move away from kind of linear, what I would call linear food systems towards more circular food systems. So I would like to see governments take much more responsibility and much more focus around moving towards more circular economies. Hopefully that will be a recommendation in the national food strategy yeah. um, and, and governments, you know, put in policies and practices in place uh, well, to support that. Well, well, well said. Jenny, uh, uh, a contact is just WhatsApp. Could Jenny wave some of her product at the screen so we can see the brand? Jenny, can you run off and get some of your product? Oh, uh, is the chance. Uh, Martin, how can we get in contact with you? How can we? Go on, Jenny, you've got to go and find some. Okay, I'm fine. <laughs> go, go. Oh, that's your challenge. Uh, Martin, how can we find out more about you um, and um, um, and your, your yourselves? Uh, Feedback Global, please. How, how can we get in contact with you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I could put my email in the chat now. Uh, people are very welcome to get in touch if they like to find out more about. Um, but it's feedbackglobal.org if you want to find out more about our organisation. 
Uh, I'll put my email in the chat and would love to hear from people, particularly if you'd like to support mandatory reporting on farms, but especially if you have any ideas for how we could do that in a just way that helps farmers, as we don't want this to become an admin burden. We want it to be a helpful thing. Excellent. And someone's just WhatsApp me to say they love you, Martin. You're doing so, so much good. Keep it up. Well done. And Jenny, Jenny, we've got to show off your products. Here we go. Oh, here we go. Look at that. Oh, Ruby did the rubble. Isn't that beautiful? That gorgeous branding. And so where can we uh, buy that, please? Just to remind us of, the, of your resale outlets. Uh, you can buy it on. This is great for me. Um, <laughs> my website um, on Ocado, Morrison's, um, Waitrose, Amazon, and hopefully in a pub near you. Excellent. Uh, uh, what's up? Can she, can she show them off again? Off you go. Again, yeah, right. yeah, you're creating an audience here. What was the spotlight? You look at that, and I, 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 I'm going to go out and buy them today. But I, I just tell us honestly, are they are they amazing? Are they beautiful? Oh, I'm completely obsessed with them. So um, yeah, I'd love to be challenged if anyone else is not. Try and give them okay. a go. What what would you what would you recommend that we have your uh, tomato tomato sauce on, please? Uh, I mean, the tomato ketchup, we've taken a year and a half to develop wow. so that it tastes like what you expect for um, from a ketchup to take on the nation's favourite. It's better for you, better for the planet. It's got half the amount of oh. sugar in. It's got surplus pears in there. Um, it's, oh. it's absolutely fantastic. Okay, everyone, we all, we all know where we're going this afternoon. We're going to Waitrose. Other stores are, are, are available. <laughs> so, so just before we wrap up, we always ask this question, what is your favourite fresh produce? Martin, you go first, please. Oh God, I wasn't expecting this. Uh, the good old fashioned uh, apple, I think. Fantastic. <laughs> Excellent. Amy, what about yourself? Well, now I'm living in Greece, I can access melons that are grown in Greece. Oh. And when I was in the UK, I really tried not to buy them or as little as possible because it's not very sustainable. So I have to say right now, while it's summer, any type of melons. Oh, fantastic. I'm so jealous. So come on, Jenny, what's your favorite fresh produce? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm much more of a savory. Um, aubergine is a huge, uh, yeah. I mean, we go crazy for it in, the, in our family. Excellent. And Mark, I don't know. I must have asked you this question before. What's your favorite fresh produce? Tomato picked fresh from the vine. There we go. To cool. conclude. Well, well done everyone. This has been a fascinating conversation. We've learned so, so much and all credit to, to Amy and, uh, and Mark and to the other members of the Healthy Sustainable Food Group for, for gaining Martin and Jenny. Uh, just just been amazing. Let's see what happens in, in the next couple of months with everything that's going on. It does feel like we are on, on a positive track to, to change with some of that those evil uh, people out there, but with, uh, with people with so much passion and energy and stamina and perseverance with the, the likes of Martin, Amy, Jenny and Mark. I think we're in good hands. Everyone, thank you very much for your, for your time. And uh, hopefully we'll see you next week uh, when we perhaps won the football, but let's see what happens. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.